Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home We got to as far as the rebels laying a siege to the city of Madinatul Munawwara And in fact even the residence of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala anhu and in the last two sessions I had explained the reason why the hypocrites, the enemies of Islam usually wish to target the companions, Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een what is their agenda, their motive, the purpose for demonizing the character of these great blessed souls which we know as to be the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that was explained but just to add on a few points as Muslims we need to understand that behind the curtains the wire pullers is the shaitan the wire pullers are the shayateen and the shayateen throughout the period of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam in fact from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam until today have always managed to raise an army of people to attack the honor of sahabai kiram ajma'in be it in the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam or be it in the year 2000 this is what shaitan wants the shaitan wants to cast the seeds of doubt in the hearts and the minds of people about these great individuals blessed souls sahabai kiram ajma'in so that when a man reads about Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Abdullah ibn Umar Abu Huraira that the mind is blank that he does not know how to judge these great individuals sahabai kiram ajma'in that you have wobbly feet when you talk about the companions this is the purpose, this is the maqsad that if the shaitan can promote sahabai kiram ajma'in aliyazu billah to be doubtful individuals this would ultimately mean 
that every ruling of Sharia is subject to doubt. If the companions can be proven to be doubtful individuals as people who were untrustworthy aliyahs billah, that would mean the verses of the Quran that is in front of us, the ahadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There's a possibility someone might say that this is unauthentic. Why? Because the character of the Sahabi is not well. And so this is what the shaitan does. It wants to distort the picture, the image of Sahaba Ikiram Ajmain. You have one very beautiful picture in a frame. And it is very, very beautiful. But if you start making it ugly, that beautiful picture, and then show it to people, obviously that is what information, this is with the eyes, what the people will say, and they will say, well, this picture is very ugly. And so you will always find people talking against the companions. And these are the people who are actually linked with the first hypocrites of Madinatul Munawwara. So we need to understand that. One hadith that comes to mind, uh, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has said that one alim of my ummah, one alim of my ummah is a greater challenge to the shaitan than one thousand worshippers of my ummah. What did he say? One alim of my ummah is a greater challenge to the shaitan than one thousand abideen, worshippers. Those that worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ardent worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One thousand on one side, it is easy for the shaitan to mislead one thousand. Why? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. The engine is ilm. The engine is ilm. And that is why the very first verse revealed upon Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is Iqra' Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq What is Iqra' Seek knowledge Knowledge with sincerity And so to Obviously shaitan does attack an alim But to mislead a thousand worshippers is easy Than one alim Now imagine if it is painful for shaitan to attack one alim, how painful it must be for the shaitan to see the muslimin honor the companions. Or how difficult it must be for the shaitan to digest when the muslimin have honor and respect for sahaba kiram ajma'in. Where is that one alim as compared to a great sahabi of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam? And if an alim is a greater threat and challenge to a shaitan than 1,000 worshippers, then imagine the rank and the status of a sahabi. And that is why, even in the year 2009, you will find modernists, you will find people who have no knowledge of the Sharia, no knowledge of the Quran, no knowledge of the Arabic language. When I say Arabic, it's not about Kaif al-hal, Kaif anta, MashaAllah, Barakallah, Tabarakallah. <laughs> That's not Arabic. Uh, subhanallah. Proper knowledge, you know, with, with uh, the laws, the grammar of the Arabic language. You will find that the shaitan will attack first the learned scholars of this ummah. First the shaitan attacks the 
learned scholars of this ummah. So you'll find people to say, oh, who is Imam Abu Hanifa? Did he know the Arabic language? Who is Imam Shafi? Who is Imam Malik? Oh, you don't need to follow any fiqh. And then generally you'll find scholars, even contemporary scholars. You'll find people very easily backbite about ulama. That's why Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah would have a bag of gold coins. Every week, somebody would say, Hazrat, you know that person has been talking bad about you. He says, which man? That man is okay. Hazrat would go and knock at his door and say, Salaamu Alaikum. I just want to give you a bag of gold coins. Why? He says, you see, MashaAllah, you are so generous. You've been backbiting. That means your reward of Hajj and Umrah, you've given it to me. Your recitation of the Quran automatically is transferred to me. How can I repay you? I can only give you dunya. So take this dunya. Take this dunya. Ajeeb, subhanAllah. These way. So you'll find people very easily backbite the scholars. Very easily. And this is the agenda of the shaitan. So first you attack the learned scholars of this ummah. And this attack goes all the way up to the companions. Where does it go? All the way up to the companions. So first you punch the ulama. And then it goes up, up, up to the fuqaha, to the muhaddisin, to the mufassirin. And all the way until it touches sahabai kiram ajma'in. And this is the extreme level. You see, the extreme level is to go against a sahabi. This is a true extremist. When a person dislikes Aliyazubillah, a sahabi. And that is why my respected brothers don't think that this 25 minutes, 30 minutes that you sit here is just something that you come, sit, listen and go back. You know, just a formality that we need to fulfill. No. Wallahi lazim. I'm in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These 25 minutes, 30 minutes is strengthening your iman. By the day, it will strengthen your iman. It will strengthen the foundation of your iman. That is why, my respected brothers, you will find that it is very painful for the shaitan to sit in a majlis where there is dars of hadith. Dars of Quran. Never miss that opportunity. Never ever miss an opportunity, my respected brothers. Subhanallah, we are, by the mercy of Allah, blessed in Leicester. There's a great blessing upon the Muslims of Leicester. We have so many scholars. Never miss a Juma lecture. Never miss Dars-e Quran. Never miss Dars-e Hadith. Wallahi, this will only strengthen your iman. In fact, these lectures will come in handy even at the time of death. Because that will be the greatest fight with the shaitan. Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, who was he? Khadim of the ulama. What was he? Subhanallah. At the time of death, breathing his last, the shaitan came to him and said, Ahmad, renounce your faith, your kalima, la ilaha illallah. Ahmad, listen to me, that if you turn away from your faith, you have a better future in the hereafter. And Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal said, La. What did he say? La. Now, this was a ploy of shaitan. Shaitan knew that Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal was not going to give in. <laughs> and so what did he say? He says, Ha, Ahmad, it looks like you have slipped away from my hands. It looks like you have 
slipped away from me slipped away from me Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal subhanallah great faqiyana alim said la la hawla wa la quwwata oh shaitan i have not slipped away from you i have not slipped away from you i am not safe from you until i depart from this dunya with iman i am not safe from you until i depart from this dunya with iman that is the difference my respected brothers knowledge is like headlights it will protect you it is noor it is noor so mashallah sit and listen and especially these great warriors subhanallah these great legends sahabai kiram ajma'in we can't take time out for sahabai kiram ajma'in subhanallah this beautiful series that we are covering hazrat abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala an umar farooq radiyallahu ta'ala an as we come to the end of hazrat usman radiyallahu ta'ala an and we begin hazrat ali radiyallahu ta'ala an take time out my respected brothers don't take this to be just a, another gathering it's not another gathering it is not a tom dick and harry lecturing you mashallah you have qualified people sitting in front of you who do the works who take out everything subhanallah for the durus we have to read for 7 days different 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 books making sure that it is authentic making sure it is the, the right information that you are giving in the house of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all you need to do is eat and digest it all you need to do is eat and digest it inshallah karenge bhai come along inshallah ta'ala rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam speaks about a man whose name was juraj his name was not george umar you've been away a few sessions not george but juraj kya naam tha juraj juraj was a pious man of banu israel a pious man of banu israel now in those days when a man wanted to uh, give his life to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make his life waqf for allah and these were people who were known as the sufis of the time of banu israel what they would do is that they would seclude themselves far away from people in the jungle and make for themselves a simple dwelling a hut and they would stay in that hut and day and night they would worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so in banu israel this was something that was quite common so you had juraj who was a a famous famous worshipper an abid he was not an alim and so this is what he decided he said enough is enough i want to get out in the jungle built for himself a simple hut and in the day in the night worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the qiyam bas some simple food uh, daily for him to eat and that is it otherwise he was engaged in the worship of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is mentioned in the hadith of rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam our rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam continues in the hadith and says that the mother of juraj went out for to, to went out for looking for juraj the son someone said to her that your son juraj is far away in the jungle in that side and if you want to go and see him you have to climb the hill so at the di- with the direction the mother starts walking and she looks at a hut that was up the hill and notices that it is my son juraj and she could only see the the back portion of juraj he was standing in qiyam worshiping allah and so she started 
shouting out, Ya Jurej, Ya Jurej, Oh my son Jurej, it's your mother calling you, come down. Oh Jurej, come down, it's your mother calling. Now Jurej says that I could hear the voice of my mother in Salah, but I did not know what to do. Do I continue in my Salah or do I respond to the call of my mother? What do I do? Jurej decided that he will continue in his Salah. So the mother looked and she walked off again. She went back. And Jurej continued in the Salah. Second day the mother came again to go and visit uh, the son Jurej. And notice again that Jurej is in Salah. And again she said, Jurej, come, come. Ya Jurej, come. Your mother is calling you. Jurej, come. Your mother is calling you. Jurej again is thinking in his Salah, what do I do? Should I continue or should I go to my mother? Jurej decided it's better for me to continue. Why? It's a connection with Allah. And that is a greater connection. The mother went. The third day again, the mother said, Jurej, oh my son, I'm here, listen to me. Again, Jurej is saying, what do I do? And he feels that the strongest connection is the connection of Allah. And so he continued in his Salah. But now the mother got angry. And the mother looked at Juraj and said that, Ya Allah, don't give death to my son Juraj until he sees the face of an immoral lady, a prostitute. Don't give him death until he sees the face of an immoral lady. And this is the baddua, the curse of the mother, which was accepted. Allahu Akbar. After a few months, it is said that in the city there was a a lady, she was well known for her beauty and charm. And that she would even trap uh, even the strong-hearted individuals. She would beguile anyone with her charm and her beauty. And a group of people came to her and said, Oh, wah, wah, you are extremely beautiful. You are extremely beautiful. And we acknowledge the fact that you can melt the hearts of many men. But we want to put up a challenge to you. There's one man who you will never conquer. You will never conquer his heart. And that is Juraj. And that is Juraj. So you have this young lady, very beautiful, very charming. And of course, for a lady, you know, her charm and her beauty is everything to her. Her charm and beauty is everything to her. And so she took up the challenge. And she says, okay. I will make sure that he falls on his knees when he sees me. And how much money will you give me? And so the group said, oh, we will make you rich. We will give you a lot of wealth. But let us see what you can do. And this was a challenge that she took up. And Juraj was in his hut praying salah. So a group of people went, and this lady also went wearing skimpy clothes, you know. And she got to the hut of Juraj, and in this very charismatic tone, in a sweet tone, she says, Oh Juraj, why don't you turn and look at me? Why don't you turn your face and look at me? There is no one here. It's only the two of us. It is said that Juraj was a, a true wali. He was a true wali. He did not even blink at her. He did not even blink towards her. That is why the ulama have said that the true power of a 
a believer, a Muslim, is a man who has the full control of his eyes. Any man who has control of his eyes, he is the wali of Allah. In the year 2009, never mind your hands, never mind your tongue. Oh, alhamdulillah, tongue is important. Huh? We're not competing with the tongue. The tongue, again, we have to make sure you control it. But the eyes, any man who can control the eyes will save himself from zina, will save himself from a lot of sins. And this is what shaitan does. That is why Hakim Makhtar Saab from Karachi, you'll find a lot of his lectures that he gives are based on this. And he would say that, why do you want to give your life to these hurayins of this dunya? To these hurayins of this dunya? Why are you after these hurayin of this dunya when you have the hurayin of the hereafter, which is in Jannah? So a man who controls the eyes is a powerful man. He's a very strong man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. And Shaykh Zulfiqar Maddazillahul Ali would say that if a woman came in front of you and the shaitan says, look at that woman. She's a beautiful lady. At that time, if you took control of yourself and you lowered your gaze and you looked down, Sheikh Zulfiqar would say, at that time, immediately lift up your hands and make dua to Allah. Your dua with guarantee will be accepted. Your dua with guarantee will be accepted. Because this is not an easy task. This is the most difficult, difficult challenge that comes to the men folks. Because the men are hungry hippos. The men are hungry hippos, the mouth is always open Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us and this is great fitna, great fitna that is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said that I don't fear my ummah that they will start worshipping the idols but what I fear is in two things they will start to love dunya and they will fall prey to the, the, the trap of women that the women will trap the Ummah, my Ummah, the men of my Ummah, Allahu Akbar. And so Juraj was in full control. He did not even blink towards her and he continued in, in the Salah. And she knew that it's going to be difficult to challenge Juraj. But the curse of a woman is uh, a very evil curse. In the Kayda Kunna Azim, the Quran says. She didn't want to give up that easily. So what she did is that she, she got out from the huts. And there was a shepherd there. Eventually she gave herself to that shepherd. And after a few months she was pregnant. She gave birth to a child, a baby. Now she went back to the city. And there you see this very famous, beautiful, charming woman with a baby. People were saying, oh, whose baby is this? Who's the father? Who's the father? Why who's the father? And she said, the father is Juraj. <laughs> what did she say? The father is? That wali in the hut. He's the father. Now when slowly the rumors were spreading, people got angry. They said, this guy is another charlatan. It's another dhokebaze, right? Let's go and attack him. And without thinking, they demolished the hut and broke everything and pushed him and grabbed him. Say, huh, you call yourself a, a great Sufi and a great friend of Allah. Look what you do. You've got this lady uh, pregnant and illicit relationship. What is this? He says, what's happening? He says, this is your baby. And he says, my baby? 
I haven't had no relationship with a woman. I'm not even married. No, this is your baby. Now because he was a wali of Allah, Allah had also accepted the dua of the mother because of his response. What he did is that he put the hands on the forehead of that child and said, Oh, uh, oh my son, tell the truth that who is your father? Who is your father? Ya bunayya in Arabic means, Oh my child, oh my son, in respect. So tell me who is your father? And Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, There are only a few babes who have spoken uh, when they were only uh, a few days old in this dunya. And one of them was in the incident of Juraj, this baby. And so this baby started saying that my father is the shepherd, not Juraj. My father is the shepherd, not. Only then they realized that Juraj is the wali of Allah. And they came and they said, Oh, Hazrat, we will you know, rebuild for you your, your huts in gold and silver. Forgive us. Juraj said, No, it's fine. Again, just to, the, the reason why I have mentioned this, uh, this story which is also in the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa a true event, a true story, ulama have mentioned that if Juraj was an alim or a man who understood fiqh or a man who understood knowledge, he was an ardent worshipper of Allah, but he was not a man who was well versed in ilm. Because if he had ilm, he would have said, labbaik to the mother. He would have said, labbaik to the Mother, and by saying, Labbaik to the mother, this was the right decision. Especially if you're in your optional prayers, in your nawafil. You should say, Labbaik to your mother first. He would have saved himself from this humiliation. And so that is why I'm saying, my respected brothers, the 25 minutes, 30 minutes that we are sitting here, we are not wasting time. Wallahi, it is strengthening your iman. It is strengthening your iman, and it is... MashaAllah, making sure that the foundation of your iman is such that the shaitan cannot shake it at any time in your life, even at the time of death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us the true lovers of sahaba kiram ajma'in. And in fact, become blind in their love. Become blind in their love. Be positive about sahaba kiram ajma'in at all times. Going back to the story, to the incident of uh, what's happening in Madinatul Munawwara, brothers will remember that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an was the first man to offer help to Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. And he said that, Amirul Mu'mineen, 500 mujahideen are already ready and waiting for your answer. If you say labbaik, if you say yes to us, we will fight the rebels. But Hazrat Uthman said, not to him. Another Sahabi is Hazrat Mughira ibn Shu'ba radiallahu ta'ala. What's his name? Mughira ibn Shu'ba. Mughira ibn Shu'ba was given permission to go and visit Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala in his residence. And he went and he said to the Khalifa Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala that I have a proposal which I wish to make in front of you. I see that you only have three options. In my opinion, Three options are the best options for you. And choose one. The first option is, now Mughir ibn Shaba is a very senior sahabi. He said, the first option is, and according to me it is the best option, that we wage jihad against the rebels and fight the rebels in the city of Madinatul Munawwara. This is the first option. 
And the second option is that secretly we take you out from your house and make a safe passage for you to the city of Makkah. And in Makkah, Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an was very safe. The tribe of Banu Umayyah had settled there. These were the families of Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an. And remember, this was the time of Hajj. The people in Makkah had no idea what was happening in Madinatul Munawwara. And Madinatul Munawwara was virtually empty because all of the people were waiting that Hazrat Uthman will come at the end. And all of them had already put on the ihram and were going towards the city of Makkah. It was time for Hajj. And intentionally this was their timing for the rebels to get there. So that they pretend that we are here, aliyazu billah, just to... Uh, to perform Hajj and we, and we are sincere, but the intention was otherwise to take out Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala. And then the third option, Hazrat Mughira ibn Shu'ba said, if you don't wish to go to Makkah, then another option would be is that we take you to Syria. And in Syria, you have Hazrat Amir Muawiyah. And Amir Muawiyah had the most powerful army at that time. All of the Mujahideen and the soldiers were with Hazrat Amir Muawiyah in Syria. He was the man who was looking after all the jihadi expedition events at that time in the Islamic Khilafat. And so if you go to Syria, nothing will happen to you. Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala and looked at Mughira ibn Shu'ba and said, Mughira, you want me to spill blood in the city of Madinatul Munawwara in the haram of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Don't you know that they, they are after only one man and that is Osman. They are after one man and that is Osman. Because of Osman, I give permission that you defend me and there will be so many innocent believers and companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Possibly they will give their life in defending me. And this I cannot accept. Especially not in the city of Madinatul Munawwara. And so he said to Hazrat Mughira ibn Shu'bah that there will be no one lifting up the sword in the city of Madinatul Munawwara. No jihad. No jihad. Whatever Allah wills will happen. And then he said that you are giving me the option to go to Makkah or to Syria. Do you seriously want me to depart from the company of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam? And he said to Mughira, Mughira, it is more painful for me to leave the city of Madinatul Munawwara than to accept martyrdom. This would be more difficult for me. I will shut my eyes and accept the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But don't advise me to leave the haram. And I'm very, very close to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I have been looking at some of the, the books of tarikh. And I'm trying to actually find the house of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala. If I can get that picture, inshallah ta'ala, maybe in the next few sessions, if I can get hold of the, the house of Hazrat Usman. He had many houses. Hazrat Usman radiallahu, he had a house in Mina, he had a house in Syria, he had a house in Makkatul uh, Mukarrama, in Taif. Remember, according to one narration, he was born in Taif. And remember, we've also covered that that entire section of Jannatul Baqi, the lower section of Jannatul Baqi, that entire plot was the plot of Hazrat Uthman. In fact, where Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and is buried today is his own plot. Where he is buried today is his own plot. 
So Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala and his house was very very close to masjid nabwi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he said that I will not leave the haram, Madinatul Munawwara. There was another sahabi who became very emotional. His name was Abdullah ibn Zubair. The rebels were not allowing him to enter the house of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala and he pushed himself into the house of Hazrat Usman with a few companions and he met up with Hazrat Usman and he started crying. This is a senior sahabi crying in front of Hazrat Usman and saying to Hazrat Usman, he says, Wallahi, I have studied the Quran and I have read the Quran and I can assure you that after reading the Quran, Allah is giving you permission to fight and to wage jihad against these rebels. I am telling you, Abdullah ibn Zubair, and he started reading the verses of the Quran, and he says, Amirul Mu'minin, don't you know where Allah says that there are so many small groups that can defeat a massive army? And this has happened. And we are a few in numbers, but inshallah, by the permission of Allah, we will defeat the rebels that have come from Egypt, Kufa and Basra. And he was very, very emotional, and he was crying. He says, Amirul Mu'minin, just say yes, because it is farz to do ita'at to obey the Amir. And Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala again saying to Abdullah ibn Zubair, calm, calm yourself and take control of yourself. And said to Abdullah ibn Zubair that you know, I will not allow anyone to take up the sword in the city of Madinatul Munawwara. No one should unsheath their swords. This was the message of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala. Abdullah ibn Zubair even went back. Now the Ansari companions, remember you had the Ansar in Madinatul Munawwara. Ansar that were even living on the outskirts of Madinatul Munawwara, they came in groups and their leader was Ka'ab ibn Malik. So all of the Ansari companions came and they said to Hazrat Uthman, they were at the doorstep with a group of all the Ansari companions. And Ka'ab ibn Malik said, Amirul Mu'mineen, look at all the Ansar here. And all the Ansar that you see are prepared to defend you. And we will fight. We will fight. Hazrat Ali has got 500 Mujahideen. All of these Ansar are here and we know that you are in the right position as a Khalifa. And we accept whatever you say. And again, Hazrat Asman radiallahu ta'ala and said, Jazakallah, Barakallah, may Allah give you mercy. And he said to Ka'ab ibn Malik, fighting and spilling blood in the city of Madinatul Munawwara, this I will not accept. He just did not want to fight. Allahu Akbar. What a man. That's why Ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullah alayhi says, Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an is a model for the people, a man who took control of himself. A man who took control of himself and a man who had a choice. But yet, in respect of the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Allah's Nabi had said, whatever happens to you, Uthman, be patient and do sabr. Be patient and do sabr. And this is what he was doing. Because he had the knowledge of the hadith. Finally what the companions decided, that the only option we have in Medina, is someone who is the most beloved to Hazrat Uthman. Someone who is very close to Hazrat Uthman. And that is Hazrat Hassan. Who is he? Hassan. And who is Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala? The grandson of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the son of Ali. This propaganda that you hear, Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Usman, and Hazrat Ali didn't like Hazrat Usman, Hazrat Ahl Bayt didn't like Hazrat Usman. La hawla wa la billah. 
And Hazrat Hassan was so fond of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an, that Hazrat Hassan would enter the house of Hazrat Usman freely without taking permission. And the companion said that ask Hassan to convince Usman radiallahu ta'ala an. When Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala an came and Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an saw him, Hazrat Hassan actually unsheathed the sword and said, This is what I have come to you for, Amirul Mu'minin. Give me permission for this. Give me permission for this. <laughs> Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala and stood up and Hazrat Usman kissed Hazrat Hassan and said, Hassan, oh ho, you are making life difficult for this old man. You are making life difficult for this old man. And said, I will never. I will never able to I will never able to justify the shedding of your blood if something was to happen to you in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you are the grandson of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If something was to happen to you, what face will Uthman show to Allah and his Rasul? And said, Oh, put this sword away. Hassan, no. Not you. Out of all the people, not you. Not you. I can uh, sacrifice all my children but not Hassan but not Hassan you are the grandson of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. you are the son of someone who is very close to me Ali radiallahu ta'ala and even the great faqih and the great scholar Hazrat Abu Huraira who, who is not actually known for jihad he was a great alim Hazrat Abu Huraira had also taken his sword out and he was in the room with Hazrat Hassan Abdullah ibn Umar and Hazrat Abu Huraira and Hazrat Abu Huraira said Amirul Mu'mineen and he said he was a great muhaddis of course a man who would narrate a lot of hadith and, and they tried everything to convince ayats of the Quran hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say yes for jihad and we will take on these rebels and Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and said to Abu Huraira Abu Huraira tell me would you be happy if all the people of Medina were killed including myself and Hazrat Abu Huraira said no he said, don't you, know that the killing, don't you know that the killing of one Muslim is like killing all of humanity? It's like killing all of humanity. I will not fight. Allahu Akbar. One after another, the companions came. But Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala and shut the door, no fighting. Nothing will happen. No one will shed blood. No blood will spill in the haram of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whatever happens will happen by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah ta'ala in the next session uh, we will talk about the wives of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and their attitude towards Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabil umi wa ala alihi wa salli taslima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tuba alayna inna kanta tawabur rahim nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk sami'ina wa ta'ana gufranak rabbana wa ilayk al-masir bi rahmatika ya arhamu rahim